Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, October 29th, 2020. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Riding solo today on this Thursday as we try to get to the end of this week. A rough one so far in many ways, but I will take it over the dread I am feeling for next week. Very much emotionally and mentally unprepared for this coming Tuesday, I have to say. But I am physically prepared. Absentee ballot will be going into the mailbox this morning at Shea Steve's. For you, dear listener, being politically prepared will take your own plan. But as far as theatrically prepared, we have got you covered. You can hear all of our news and interviews early by backing us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, or if you prefer, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. I know we have some cool things coming down the pipeline you're going to want to check out. Maybe even some Patreon planning for some level perks. So be sure to get in on the action soon. All right, let's start today with the latest COVID-19 theater update and a few stories from the week Matt and I didn't get a chance to talk about yet. First reported by Michael Paulson of the New York Times on Monday night and then updated on Wednesday, a group of eight small theaters and comedy clubs in New York City have filed a lawsuit against Governor Andrew Cuomo and New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, challenging the closing of their venues during the coronavirus pandemic. The lawsuit filed last Friday in federal district court in Manhattan argues that the order shutting down theaters, quote, shock the conscience and interfere with plaintiffs' deeply rooted liberty and property rights, including the right to work, right to contract, and right to engage in commerce. Included in the list of theaters filing suit are the Theater Center, the Players Theater, Actors Temple Theater, Soho Playhouse, the Gene Frankel Theater, the Triad Broadway Comedy Club, and New York Comedy Club. All of those venues have 199 seats or fewer, and most of which are commercial operations. Now, the reason for the lawsuit is the argument that pandemic restrictions have been enforced arbitrarily, which I do not disagree with, noting that venues such as bowling alleys, casinos, catering halls, gyms, schools, and even Saturday Night Live have been allowed to reopen with precautions. With so few seats, the venues argue they could open safely with social distancing and precautions such as an improved air filtration system, masks of course, and temperature tested audiences. An air filtration system has already been put in place at the theater center, according to GM Catherine Russell, who reportedly was inspired by the Berkshire Theater Group's Godspell, which Michael Michael Paulson reported on, as have we. You'll recall that was an outdoor performance. Says Russell, quote, Small theaters are much more capable of doing this safely, and if people walk into our theaters and feel safe and protected, they'll be more likely to see Hamilton or Six next summer. Also, people need to get back to work. We were closed with restaurants and bars, but they've been open for a while, and it's actually safer to be in a theater because you can keep your mask on. The theaters join a list of other businesses and organizations that have tried to challenge New York City's pandemic protocols, including the Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn, 
bars, restaurants, gyms, and strip clubs, says Richard Azopardi, a senior advisor to the government, quote, We get sued virtually every day for virtually every action taken during this pandemic, and frankly, I've lost track of all the frivolous suits filed against us. We are moving heaven and earth to contain the virus, and we know some people are unhappy, but New York continues to have one of the lowest infection rates in the nation, and better to be unhappy than sick or worse. In other news, another venue has closed its doors permanently due to the ongoing pandemic. Westchester Broadway Theater, a dinner theater located an hour outside New York City, made the announcement earlier this week after 46 years in operation. The news was announced by theater co-founders Bob Funking and Bill Stutler in a letter to staff. The theater is the longest-running year-round equity theater in New York State history and was one of the last major dinner theaters still in operation. In fact, the National Dinner Theater Association now counts as 21-member theaters, many of which are themselves currently closed to the pandemic. The company's 217 main stage productions have featured performances by Holland Taylor, Randy Graff, Robert Cuccioli, Faith Prince, Will Swenson, and Carolee Carmelo, and has served as a stepping stone for such directors and choreographers as Rob Marshall, Susan Stroman, Kathleen Marshall, and more. Really, really sad to see this. I'm very sentimental when it comes to dinner theaters and cabarets and any subset of that food and theater Venn diagram that is so important to my life. Westchester has been such a major one for so long. These are unfortunately the the effects that we are going to be feeling for a while and clearly why people, including the eight theater groups that are suing the state and the city, are feeling such unrest and anger and disappointment. It's an unbelievably difficult and complicated situation that unfortunately, as we wish it all was, isn't black and white. I've I've got to say in regards to the lawsuit, of course, I want to see theaters open back up, especially some that are on those lists uh, are on that list. I spent a lot of time at Soho Playhouse, especially. I think that some of the organizations and venues that are open, especially schools, open prematurely. Numbers are starting to climb in the city again, not significantly, but still so. We're getting into winter where we're going to also have to be dealing with the flu on top of the coronavirus. Numbers have been on the rise in the country. Something we have talked about a lot on the show is operating costs. Can theaters open safely, pay their performers, have socially distanced crowds, and still make enough money to keep their doors open? I don't see that being possible. And many other forms of venues have had to close permanently after even trying to experiment with that, like restaurants. So are these smaller venues the ones that are going to be able to do it? Maybe with a winning lawsuit, but that win seems very unlikely. What's the answer as to when we can open? I don't have the answer. That's why it's not black and white. The one thing I know for certain that everyone I think knows for certain at this point is the government, city, state, and federal has failed us and has failed the theater and entertainment industries full stop. 
A bit of good news, though, to transition from that, where one door closes, another opens. Over in London, Trafalgar Theatre, formerly known as Trafalgar Studios, will become a new West End venue. The venue, which previously housed two separate studio spaces, is undergoing a multi-million pound restoration and plans to open in the spring of 2021. The venue will be reinstated back to its original heritage design, but with all new seats and other improvements, including an increased capacity to match other West End venues, such as the Duke of York's and Vaudeville Theatres. Again, opening in 2021, but the theater will also comply with COVID-19 guidelines. In addition to hand sanitation, face coverings, and track and trace, other measures will include contactless tickets, temperature testing, and a deep clean and sanitation of the theater. Moving on to some other stories from Wednesday. First up on yesterday's show, we announced MCC Theater was launching a streaming site, On Wednesday afternoon, the theater company announced its plans for upcoming programming and productions through 2021 with a slate of work meant to be performed both virtually and in person. The slate of programming kicks off with a series of five new live labs, including the previously announced Gargolo by Omar Veliz Melendez and directed by Christina Angelis. That starts today, October 29th. Following that will be Between the Two Humps by Hallie Pfeiffer and directed by Trip Coleman on December 17th. Untitled Meditations on Love and Grieving by Umfanisa Adafia on January 21st. A new play by Susan Soonhe Stanton and directed by Ellie Heyman on February 11th. And Rome and Janet by MCC Youth Company alum Dominique Fishback in 2021. Date to be determined. All of those performances will take place at 5.30 Eastern Time virtually. In the spring, MCC plans to live stream the new musical Space Dogs by Van Hughes and Nick Blameyer from Susan and Ronald Frankel Theater. The company also plans to produce an in-person production of Nollywood Dreams by Jocelyn Bio and directed by Sahim Ali. This was in rehearsals at the time of the shutdown. In the newly announced Soft by Danya R. Love and directed by Whitney White. Those two productions will happen only when it is safe to do so. In addition, MCC has commissioned a six-part podcast play from the Parsnip Ships Radio Roots Writers Group called This Is Where We Go, which will premiere on December 3rd. Each member of the Radio Roots Writers Group, which includes Amara Brady, Jesse Rivera de Bruin, Gina Femia, and Nina Key, will develop a character and will also co-write two of the acts. The series will be directed by Tamila Woodard. All digital productions and readings will be available on the aforementioned MCC On Demand, and all dates for in-person events will be announced at a later time. A few avenues over New York City Center announced on Wednesday its upcoming 2020 gala presentation, which will take place on December 9th at 7.30 p.m., with pre-show events beginning at 6.30 p.m., Headlining the gala will be the ever-excellent Audra McDonald in a benefit concert entitled What Else? An Evening with Audra McDonald. 
Longtime collaborator and music director Andy Einhorn will accompany the Tony, Grammy, and Emmy winner for an intimate evening showcasing songs from the golden age of Broadway and the great American songbook to today's new voices in musical theater. The show will be filmed live on the City Center stage and presented digitally only at NewYorkCityCenter.org. Gala packages, including pre- and post-show events with City Center artist and McDonald herself, are available now starting at $2,500. But for the not-rich-among-us, digital access tickets for the event start at $35. Those tickets will go on sale to the general public on November 16th. The gala concert will be available on demand for only one week through Wednesday, December 16th. And finally, some good news for the upcoming holiday because required Halloween viewing will now and always be the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And on Wednesday, we got the news that the legendary Tim Curry will join some of his fellow cast members for a live stream to get out the vote for the Democratic Party of Wisconsin. Curry will join Barry Bostwick and Nell Campbell, as well as several others, including Connie Britton, Wilmer Valderrama, Rosaria Dawson, Lance Bass, Jason Alexander, and David Arquette. The live stream will be held on Halloween, October 31st, at 9 p.m. Central Time. Always, always glad to see Tim Curry on my screen, especially in recent years. All right, a couple of feel-good recommendations to get you into the day. First, Hades town writer Anais Mitchell and Irish songwriter and artist Mick Flannery marked their first, first official collaboration together with a new track entitled Minnesota. Flannery wrote the song during a lockdown at his home in County Clare in reaction to the news about George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement that followed. Mitchell sings the lead vocals on the track and it's just really beautiful and haunting. It was officially released yesterday on October 28th. All funds will be donated to the Fair Fight Association, which I believe is Stacey Abrams Association, which promotes fair elections and voter participation in Georgia and around the country. So definitely be sure to check that out and hit the buy button if you're able. And then Moulin Rouge released a little gift on their YouTube channel on Wednesday a clip from the show slash music video of soon-to-be Tony winner Aaron Tveit and already a Tony winner Karen Olivo performing Come What May from the show. It's a very complete multi-camera pro shot right there, which I'm assuming much more exists. Who knows? Maybe we'll get to see more of it someday. Maybe post-Tony's pre-show's reopening. But in the meanwhile, really great to see this. I, <laughs> with many others, had a lot of complaints about Moulin Rouge, but hard to deny how compelling the two of them are on stage together. And also just the set. God, I love that set. I had a conversation with my significant other the other night where we were uh, we were watching virtual theater. I won't say what. Uh, but just after seeing so, so much virtual theater over the past however many months, I, th I think I miss sets and design most of all at this point. 
all of that to say, be sure to check that video out. You will find the link to it as well as everything else I've talked about on today's show in the show notes. All right, that is all we have for you today. So thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And if you are willing, able, and so inclined, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at no, this is Ashley. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Not sure who among us is doing the show tomorrow, but somebody will be here to get you into the weekend. 